Hey, it's Chris Wendelkin, and this is On the Line, the NBA podcast. We are talking all things NBA deep dives, drafts, news and notes from around the league. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new to the show, you can tweet at us at ontheline underscore pod. Find us on Instagram. Check out previous episodes on our website, www.onthelinepodcast.com. Check out a old deep dive, a draft that's all up there. Last, if you could rate, review, subscribe to the show in Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts, I greatly appreciate it. All right, guys. Uh, Anthony Davis just got traded from the Pelicans to the Lakers. The season has been in the books less than two days. This is absurd. This is totally absurd. The season never stops. Um, on the show today, I'm going to be talking with Ben about all things related to the trade, how it affects the league going forward, what it means for the Lakers, what it means for the Pelicans. Uh, this one's a lot of fun. Here it is, my conversation with the one, the only, Ben Craw. All right, Ben Craw is back on the line. We're here for a quick micro podcast. Ben, the Los Angeles Lakers and New Orleans Pelicans couldn't allow the Toronto Raptors 48 hours for the championship glory to set in. They swing a blockbuster trade for Anthony Davis. Uh, how you doing, man? Where were you when you got word of this uh, AD to the Lakers trade? Chris, it has been... Uh, I, I feel like it's been weeks since we last <laughs> recorded. Um, so much has happened. We had to jump back on Incredible. the microphone here uh, yeah. to discuss uh, an entirely new NBA uh, that, that we are now... Uh, that we are now witnessing and uh, consuming as fans has fundamentally changed in 48 hours man like what yeah. is this so all right I, the thing i keep thinking about and that i've been thinking about since last night okay. and this morning yeah. is um professional wrestling yes and um the way that professional wrestling is written and the way it works uh, has changed and evolved a lot over the years. Mm-hmm. I um, was a, I don't know about you, but I was a, a massive, massive yeah. WWF fan back in the day. Yep. Um, I'm talking early, uh, late 80s, early 90s. Um, haven't really followed the sport uh, since then. Um, but, uh, you know, from the bits and pieces that I've kind of picked up over the years, it seems to me like wrestling is one of the most fascinating uh, sort of... Um, uh, like writing challenges, I guess, um, in the way that the like the sort of social media age has made it so difficult for um, for like the producers and writers of wrestling storylines to kind of like convince fans what they want to do. Um, back in you know our childhood days, it was like the good guy is Hulk Hogan, the bad guy is whatever, yeah. like Ted DiBiase. Um, and the fans will all cheer for the good guy, and they'll all boo the bad guy, and it'll be great, and everyone will um, and, have and a good time. there were very like clear. There were very like clear lines of like this guy right. is good and this guy is bad. As uh, as wrestling fans have become more intelligent, and of, and of course, as the sport has um, gone more and more online, um, I feel like those like black and white uh, character arcs and storylines are like basically impossible to pull off, and. The great challenge for the sport of wrestling is to keep fans engaged and to continue to like find ways to like have good guys and bad guys have um, you know your your heels and your and your and your faces and to get the pops from the crowd um, at the times that you want them and all that stuff um, and it become and it's like sort of a much more uh, like kind of like self aware and uh, I don't know almost like postmodern uh, entertainment product because yeah. it's like reacting so much to 
I don't even know what postmodern means in this context, by the way. I'm just fucking throwing that word out there. But um, but it's like all so dependent on like, you know, fan interaction and fan response and like kind of like figuring out how to like be one step ahead or to like use the the narrative against itself. And like, I don't know, it's very fascinating. To I me. think postmodern I feel... is the perfect word. It's like there's a, there's okay. a self-awareness. There's like cool. an awareness of like how the world perceives you and playing right. off that perception. So I feel like the NBA has, uh, with this trade, <laughs> matched uh, the the challenge of, um, or like the art of what the of what professional wrestling does. In that it it has like managed like we're now living in a world where like uh, you know the 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 sport of basketball is as much you know what happens off the court as it is what happens on, if not even more so. Um, and and as fans, we're all like so, um, you know, like our, our attention spans are shorter, our our um, our loyalties are more fickle. It's just like everything is so kind of like diffuse and all over the place and changing every single second. Um, and it's like at a certain point, it's like hard to kind of like latch onto something. Um, but I feel like the the NBA has now like kind of mastered that art and uh they have in my mind created like one of the most perfectly crafted um like like storylines where there is now a bad guy (laughs) and there is now a good guy that we that like even though you know as intelligent grown mature adults we are um, you know, we're, we're very, we're like pretty immune to like manipulation at this point as fans. Um, you know, I like to think that both of us view ourselves as like kind of savvy and, mm-hmm. and experienced enough to be like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to let kind of like whatever, like some talking head on ESPN, like tell me like, um, you know, sort of who the, whatever, what's to root for or who the good guys are or the bad guys. But like somehow the NBA has, has pulled it off. Like the Lakers are now once again, the, clear fucking villains of basketball and it is amazing i mean we haven't had such a good thing it's so it's so satisfying and juicy and like and there's not really like it's the most black and white the league has felt since like lebron joined miami um in 2010 and i will say as a fan obviously as a knicks fan you know we have to find other things to like keep our keep us engaged yes um uh i think that's why um both of us have kind of like grown to like be just general aficionados and like uh, appreciators of like almost every great player like there aren't really any bad guys yeah. like i mean i remember not uh, not much more than a year ago on this podcast we were talking about the greatness of lebron james and how yep. uh, much we love him and how awesome he is and watching his uh playoff run in his last season with the Cavs, um leading them to the finals and just like how cool that was and like um and 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 then but at the same time we were still like kind of appreciating the warriors and yada 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 now it's like we can it's like i've been given yeah it's like i've been given the license to like revert back to like a purely juvenile um just like childish like yeah oh i hate you i'm rooting against you 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 stink bad guys i want you to lose um (laughs) and when you do it'll be like every kind of satisfying i mean i was saying on uh on a text start last night with you how uh between this trade and the kind of like uh, just sheer audacity and and um, and uh, like shamelessness of it, I guess. Um, combined with like so so 
like there's the there's like the kind of NBA fan perspective where it's like, oh, the Lakers are not my team and I hate Laker fans and the whole exceptionalism thing and LeBron, uh, you know, totally taking over the team and destroying it from the inside mm-hmm. out and uh, and orchestrating this trade. Um, and then AD like being, you know, whatever, like a little diva and sitting out with the Pelicans, even though he was like still under contract for like two more seasons. Um, and like th- there's all the like sports talk radio storylines that are like, oh, that's bad. That's not how things should be done um which uh normally i'm like kind of immune to as like an intelligent you know mature yeah. fan but then on top of that you have like the kind of more mature adult uh moral perspective of like no this actually is a shitty organization uh thanks to the reporting of baxter holmes mm. and and several others um who have noted like no this actually is like not a good team to root for mm. uh rob Polinka is a fucking sociopath magic johnson was a shitty guy uh <laughs> And yeah. like kind of evil. Um, Jeannie Bus doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. Um, you know, like uh, yeah. LeBron for all of his greatness on the court. And I don't know. I mean, it's are it's not going to be quite. Are you familiar with the term or the phrase permission permission structure? Have you heard that? Mm, no, was, explain that to it me. It was first introduced. I, I heard it first on like a political podcast. I remember shortly after Trump was elected, and mm. people were talking about you know that there were a lot of uh, people that maybe voted for Donald Trump who didn't who felt that they were like they they didn't fully support everything that he was about, but they voted for him, and they had created this like sort of permission quote unquote permission structure in their head, mm. a structure in which they were allowed to accept that that it was morally best to vote for him. To right, me, right. You where you can, where you can, yeah, to like me, it allows you to like ignore certain like yes, moral things. It's like I'm going to look past of, this. I'm going to look past this because in, at yeah. the end of the day, what's most important is this, whether it's yeah, tax yeah, yeah. cuts or abortion or whatever it is. To me, what right. you just described was permission, like you. Ben, you just created a permission structure for for yourself yes. to actually once again hate the Lakers, which is yes. what you always wanted deep You're down right. inside. You're yeah. right. I mean, yeah. that's why I. That's literally what like one of the major things that made me fall in love with basketball as a yes. young child was not only my love for the New York Knicks, but my intense, burning, <laughs> seething hatred for. Michael Jordan, yes. Scottie Pippen, yeah. Reggie Miller, uh-huh. um, you know, fucking Sam Cassell on the Houston Rockets. Dude, like, this is Ted DiBiase. This is The Undertaker. Yeah. You know, it's it's all the same thing that you were talking about. Yeah, it's the yeah. best. It's yes. so awesome. And yes. I can, and I can like, not feel bad about it. No, it's um, great. It's great. Because it's great to have these I'm things. like, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the best. I mean, like, I don't think it's going to be quite as easy for me to root against LeBron James in 2019 as it was in like 2010 and 2011 um, because we do know a little bit more yes. about him. Uh, you know, he has he has still opened a school, school. for underprivileged yeah. children right. in the Cleveland area. Um, you know, he, he is like very uh, progressive and politically outspoken. Mm. Um, those things aren't going to change, but... I am still going to root against him with all of my fucking heart, and That's I so will good. be really happy to see him lose. Um, yeah. All right. And, let's, uh, talk, yeah. let's talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of the actual trade Yeah, itself. we should actually so, go over the trade itself. Yeah, so on Saturday, the New Orleans Pelicans ended their long stalemate and traded away uh, Anthony Davis, the, the cornerstone of the franchise, to the Los Angeles Lakers for Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, three first-round draft picks, including the number four overall pick in the 2019 NBA draft, and then two two first-round draft pick swaps in 2023 and 2025. Meaning, in those seasons, if the Pelicans, uh, the Pelicans will receive whichever draft pick is higher, their own pick right. or the Lakers' pick, which is 
Incredible. So just to recap, the number four mm-hmm. pick in 2019, a top eight protected pick in 2021, mm-hmm. meaning if the Lakers are bad enough that they uh, get one of the top eight picks, um, they will keep that pick. But then in 2022, they will have an unprotected first round pick That's um, right. headed towards New Orleans. If it's, say, for example, the ninth pick or the 10th pick, New Orleans just gets it right then and there. Um, and then the unprotected swap in 2023... Meaning if New Orleans, uh, you know, finishes with the whatever gets like the 15th pick, but the Lakers are terrible because by then LeBron James has retired and Anthony right. Davis has whatever suffered an injury or something right. like that. And they have the second pick in the draft. New Orleans can just say, oh, that's ours. That's ours. Thank you. Yep. Um, in 2024, it's just a simply unprotected first round pick. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and then in 2025, it is an unprotected swap. So same scenario as 2023. Essentially, the New Orleans Pelicans have the Lakers draft picks from now until 2025. Insane. Um, Insane, man. It's <laughs> which totally means, nuts. Which means, like, I mean, not only... Like, not only will the Lakers not be able to draft a high prospect if they become bad, but they won't be able to use any of those assets in trades. Um, I mean, like, first round, like, like, value, like, usable, um, you know, rookies or players on rookie contracts are so incredibly valuable in this league because of the salary cap. Um, I mean, it's just a, it's just a massive, massive haul for David Griffin. It, I I feel like he I mean everyone talks about how uh you know when you trade a superstar you never get uh equal value back. It's always pennies on the dollar right. because it's always for some reason that the superstar has to be traded which um negates the leverage of the team trading him. Um which is why you're always kind of like forced to accept something that you don't really want. Um there's almost never just a pure superstar for superstar swap. Sometimes it works out in retrospect that it was pretty equal a la the Paul George Victor Oladipo uh Sabu bonus trade that the Pacers and Thunder made. Um, but but it's rare. Uh, I feel like in this instance, like, if anything, <laughs> I mean, obviously, Anthony Davis is really good. Um, obviously, LeBron James, I think, is still going to be really good. Um, but, but my God, like, they basically have two or three years here and like clearly the 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 bar that they've set is a NBA championship. Yeah. That is it. I mean that's I think, the I th- only I think the Lakers traded a two to three year opportunity to have a championship window for basically seven to eight years worth of future assets. Yeah. And, and frankly, you know, something I said to you is like when you think about Brandon Ingram, Brandon Ingram was the second overall pick in 2016. Lonzo yep. Ball was the second overall pick in 2017. Josh Hart was the 30th overall pick in 2017. So when you think of this trade as 2016 and 17 first round draft picks, this is almost, like I said to you, this is almost a decade worth of draft assets. It's a decade's worth. That, and like, that were traded for a guy, Anthony Davis, who has one year left on his contract. Now, all indications are, are that he's going to resign with the Lakers. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, th- you, you have traded a decade, you have traded almost a decade's worth of draft assets for the privilege, for the right to resign this guy in free agency, which right, is right. like mind boggling. Which is going to cost you a lot of money. Um, now, we should yeah, say. Yeah, he's, he's not going to sign an extension. He's like, it's very, very clear that um, that he will become an unrestricted free agent and force LA to re-sign him. Sure. And um, they're going to have no deal. choice. I mean, they, yeah. they, they have mortgaged their entire future. They're, they're going to have, this guy has them 
you know, like over a barrel, like whatever, whatever he wants, they're going to have to give him. Oh yeah. Yeah. And now Ben, we should say Anthony Davis is one of the transcendent players in the league. He's a top three mm-hmm. player. He averaged last year, 26, 12 and four with two and a half blocks a game last season. He was fourth in win shares per 48 minutes. He was fourth in plus minus. He was third in PER. He's an incredible player. He's a perennial MVP candidate. He's 26 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, this is one of those things where like players like this don't just grow on trees. So that's obviously bears worth mentioning. And we can get into the specifics of what, Anthony Davis's value is what's worth trading for Anthony Davis, et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. you know, my thought process, which y- you've been sort of echoing, is like the Lakers had to do this deal. They were back. Right. They were they were absolutely desperate. Corner. They were backed yeah. into a corner. They were desperate to accommodate a, a, a LeBron James who's going to be thirty five this year's mm-hmm. uh, who's going to be thirty five years old this year, and they had to find him a player on his timeline. They had to find him a win now co-star and they went out and they did that. But yeah, the thing is when you're desperate, when you have no choice, but to get something accomplished, you also have no leverage and you have no ability to bargain. And that's essentially what happened here. They got the Lakers got the cupboard rated. You know what I mean? Like while, while David, you know, David Griffin and the new Orleans Pelicans, while they just lost one of the three to five best players in the NBA, they also, they also pillage the Lakers of all their future assets. Oh my god! In the process that, that team is set up for like like sustained excellence. Dude, like it's it's team, crazy with their to collection of young players and draft picks. They could be a juggernaut for years to come. Yeah, building around Zion, Lonzo, uh, Ingram. You know, whoever they get with the fourth pick, whether they trade that pick, um, you know, for even more assets, like the the amount of flexibility they have with a clearly, as we've seen from this trade, a very, very capable and ruthless GM in David Griffin, Griffin, um, like they're they're just like they're really going to be exciting to watch uh, develop. Um, you know, I, I, I've you know, who knows what the hell is going to happen, but it already looks like they they could even be like a like an outside contender for a playoff seed I think this so. coming season uh, with Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball. You know, again, um, assuming <laughs> they can stay healthy, all that yada yada yeah. uh, caveats. But um, but man, like like they have already now one of the most promising young cores in the entire league um, with you know six years worth of uh, extra draft picks um, and. Yeah, it's it's like it's awesome. I mean, like, we, you know, a few months ago we were talking about how New Orleans might lose their franchise, and yep. you know, who knows? Maybe they still could. But it seems to me now like that city has so much to look forward to. Uh, you know, from a from a non court product perspective, like, um, could, uh, like, name me a more exciting place. Like, like who <laughs> who else yeah. would you rather? Like, if you're a young burgeoning player in the league, like that's the team you want to play for. I mean, would yeah. like everyone wants to play with Zion Williamson, run the run the floor with Lonzo Ball, um, just. Yeah, yeah, a, pa- a pass first, like super fun, fast, up and down player who actually plays defense yes. in, in Lonzo Ball. Um, you know, with a, with a great uh, backcourt mate in Drew Holiday, who's you know still pretty young in his prime. Um, yeah, like they're gonna be they're gonna be frisky um, right off the bat, and um, it's it's gonna be so cool to watch them develop. And yeah, I mean David Griffin, man, he just like he could he, he could it. sense how desperate the Lakers were. And he just absolutely took advantage. Yeah. Um, I mean, coming off of this past season, and then like with all of the f- 
you know, front office, you know, fire dumpster fiasco drama uh, that they've gone through, like, it, it was clear, like, they just had no choice. They had to get this deal done or things were going to get really weird. I mean, there was a chance LeBron James would have demanded a fucking trade himself if mm-hmm. they struck out this summer. Um, and Polinka knew that, and David Griffin knew it too. Um, and uh, yeah, man, like, hey, who who knows? So, you know what we should also talk about? So now, you know, last night, the, the big story was, holy shit, they just got AD, and they have one max slot mm. to get their third guy. Because, all right, so let's take a quick look at the Lakers' current roster uh uh and salary cap situation they only have now five players under contract going into next season lebron james who's gonna make 37 million yeah anthony davis who will make 27 million kyle kuzma who famously was the one <laughs> asset that the los angeles lakers were unwilling to part with um as a quick aside chris can i give you a a, a quick pop quiz sure I'm going to give you a, um, this is something that Andy Bailey on Twitter, I don't know if you follow him, but he's famous for doing the anonymous player A, player B uh, advanced stat comparisons Okay. and asking you to choose which player. So I'm just going to do a quick uh, uh, three uh, advanced stat categories, uh, comparisons between two players. All right. So player A, um, ha- uh, this was the, from the 1819 NBA season, had a, uh, a win shares per 48. This is player A, win shares per 48 of 0.093 a box plus minus of negative 0.9, and a VORP of 0.2. Okay. Okay, that's player A. Player B had a win shares per 48 of 0.065, a box plus minus of negative 1.7, and a VORP of 0.2. So just to recap, Mm -hmm. player A, 0.093, negative 0.9.2. Player B, 0.065, negative 1.7.2. Which player would you rather have? Uh, I would, I would rather have player A, right? Right, player A. Yeah. So player A is Alex Caruso. Player B is Kyle Kuzma. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, um, listen, Kyle Kuzma only makes um, uh, one point nine million, and he's still on his rookie contract. So. You know, hey, he's still uh, gonna. You know, he's. I'm not saying he's a complete piece of garbage. No, but your um, point is well taken. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. Um, so he's on. He's under contract for 1.9, and then the only other two players on the Lakers roster currently um, are who are not you know unrestricted free agents are Mo Wagner at two point uh, two two million and Isaac Bonga at 1.6. Um, other than that, they have to fill their entire roster um, through free agency. Um, so that means 10 more players, right? I believe it's a 15, uh, team roster, a 15, 15 man roster they have to fill out. Um, so, uh, the money that they have to do that now, um, you know, last night, the number that everyone was, uh, throwing around, uh, was like, uh, in excess of 32 million, right? Um, which is like just enough to sign like a max guy, right? Yep. And then it turns out, uh, thanks to some further reporting from Bobby Marks and Adrian Wojnarowski, that it's not exactly going to be 32 million. Uh, and now neither of us are cap experts here, Chris, but, um, but this has been, been broken down. Um, so we'll, we'll try to kind of, you know, simplify it, um, just to get the point across, but because of the timing, I guess, of the, of the trade, it depends if they do it either on July 6th, which is when, which is basically the soonest that the trade, um, is, is possible to, to be executed. 
um, or if they wait until July 30th. And I guess the the difference there has to do with um, the fourth uh, the fourth round or sorry the fourth draft pick the fourth yes. so, uh, whatever top four pick. Um, when that player signs his rookie contract, it will count towards the Lakers' salary cap. Right. Basically, um, if the Lakers were to select that player and then trade him to the Pelicans, that player's salary is on the books with the Lakers, as opposed to if the Pelicans select that player, it that salary immediately goes on their books. Right. Um, and then if they... So basically, if they are able to wait until July 30th, um, they will be acting like a team over the cap. I don't exactly know the specifics, but but basically that'll give them more space. Um, uh, and then there's also like a uh, a trade a trade bonus that Anthony Davis has, which is up to him whether or not to decline. Um, uh, worth four million dollars. Um, yes. But long story short, is um, the Pelicans? It looks like as part of the terms of the deal said that the trade had to be executed on July 6th, um, which means that David Griffin um, <laughs> fucked Palinka even worse than we had previously thought. Yeah. Um, because instead of th- over th- uh, $32 million, the Lakers will now have either $27 million or $23 million if Anthony Davis declines to void his $4 million trade bonus, which it seems like... I, I mean, I guess if it were like the difference between like signing... A Jimmy Butler uh, or not, like maybe he would agree to 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 void that. But I feel like I don't know at this point. Like the dude is interested in money, um, and it seems kind of unlikely that he's going to uh, void that. So um, what that means is that Lakers don't actually have a max slot. That's right. <laughs> they have twenty three million dollars. That's right. Which is not enough to sign Kyrie Irving or Kemba Walker or Jimmy Butler um, or Tobias Harris or fucking chris middleton um you know it's a it's a seller's market this summer which means most of the guys the big names are going to be getting however much they want um unless they agree to take you know a a huge um a huge pay cut to team up with lebron and, and and anthony davis but like i mean most of these guys are you know like Jimmy Butler's not going to fucking take a pay no, cut. That seems unlikely, <laughs> like, man. That's like we not... know that about him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like Kemba Walker, you know, might and be by taking the way, this. Us... Rightfully, rightfully so. You know. And oh yeah, like, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is these. This is the their prime earning potential in their life. Uh, now is not the moment to take a pay cut, and you know, yeah. like everyone's got to make their own choice. But you know, I mean, that's that's a hell of a lot of money for anyone to to leave. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we're talking about now the Lakers having to fill out the rest of their roster with, you know, $23 million in space, yep. which, like, uh, you know, we're talking about names like Danny Green and, you know, maybe trying to get, uh, like, D'Angelo Russell po- possibly back on the team sure. somehow. Um, uh, uh, like, well, I guess he's, he's not even a free agent, right? That would have to be a trade, wouldn't it? No, Russell um, is a free agent. D'Angelo oh, he Russell. is, right, right, right. Oh, that's right. They were saying, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe, like, you know, if they would, if they could be so lucky to to uh, lure uh, Brooke Lopez back to, back to the team uh, after goodness. letting him walk a year ago, um, you know, like one name I've seen bandied about, uh, and I hope you're sitting down for this, Chris. Can you envision a triumphant return to Los Angeles for a one JJ Reddick? Oh my goodness! <laughs> I mean, you know, these are these Adam are the Levine's these are, very own JJ dude. JJ would have to. I think he would probably have to get the other arm. Oh, we would go up, full. Right? Yeah, we would get a second sleeve. One thousand. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
I mean, these are the types of guys that like Los Angeles is going to need. They need yes. shooting. They need defense. Yes. Um, I mean, it's gonna. I don't know. I don't know. It's I, like I. I mean, obviously, we are giddy at the prospect of this flaming out in spectacular yes. fashion. And seeing, uh, you know, Anthony Davis <laughs> leave in free agency because he realizes he has no shot to win a title in Los Angeles uh, next summer. But hey, who knows? You know, like I still have faith in LeBron. I still think no, that he's going to be good. The Lakers will be yeah. good. I, I like like I said before. I think the what the Lakers did was they traded their you know next I don't know seven to ten years worth of draft assets whatever it was seven years worth of draft draft assets for yeah. a two to three year window of LeBron James and Anthony Davis playing alongside each other and yeah you know it's anyone's guess honestly for for the both of them in terms of their health like you know Anthony Davis has had a history of injury concerns LeBron James is going to be 35 next year we just learned from experience of watching Kevin Durant play you know obviously Kobe Bryant tore his Achilles when he was 34 yeah like these guys this is what happens to the human body is like as you get older you don't get healthier you get less healthy and and so it's anyone's guess, man. It's anyone's guess how this will play out and how it will work out. It sounds great on paper. Um, right. It's a lot of fun in terms of like, you know, starry, sexy names on paper. But unfortunately, like the game is played like between the lines and it's not, yeah. you know, it's, this is not fantasy basketball. This is real life basketball. So right. it'll be very interesting to see. Um, and. Yeah. And you mentioned the name Kevin Durant and like the, the thing, the overriding thing that we learned, I think we learned two real lessons um, from, from watching this, um, this finals was one, um, when a team is extremely top heavy with star talent yep. and one of those stars goes down, it really, really compromises things. Even if you have a team as stacked as the, you know, Golden State Warriors yeah. of 2019. All of a sudden, um, you know, Alfonso McKinney and Andrew Bogut <laughs> are forced to play major minutes. And yeah, that's, if you, that, if you that's the cost of doing business when you put have all your eggs into that basket. Maximum salary, big time salary players. Yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, when you do suffer an injury, um, you know, you, you re- like, I think teams are now finally like getting kind of woke in terms of like the strutted term that we all love so much, load management and mm-hmm. how... Um, you know, one one franchise did it effectively in Toronto, and one franchise clearly did not. Um, yep. And I'm not saying that like, oh, if Durant had only played 60 games, he wouldn't have blown out his Achilles. Who the hell knows? You know, injuries are still very mysterious things, and they are random. Um, but but I think teams uh, going into next season are going to be like super super cautious. Um, uh, when you have, you know, uh, uh, an investment like uh, like Anthony Davis, um, who's of course famously a little uh, a little fragile around sure. the edges sometimes, yeah. you know, likes likes to take his trips to the locker room now and then, which is appropriate, which is what he should do. And if anything, he should probably be even more careful with his body. And um, and LeBron James, of course, yeah. uh, especially so. LeBron played um, fifty five games last year. He uh, you know famously popped his groin playing against the Golden State Warriors on Christmas Day. And frankly, man, like. That is kind of what happens. Like it was right. not that surprising to me that like yeah, it turns out LeBron's gonna miss a couple a couple of months, you know. And it's yeah. like, well, would you would you think was gonna happen, you know? Um, so so like suffice to say, like these two guys are probably not both gonna play eighty two game seasons. No, um, and I would which say means, by design. I mean, if they're smart, yeah. they won't be playing eighty two games, you know. Like, but here's the difference between them and the Toronto Raptors. Um, 
when when Kawhi sat uh, games uh, this past season, Toronto went seventeen and five, and that's because behind Kawhi yep. they had a team of Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, right. uh, Fred Van Vliet, um, Danny Green, um, you know Norman Powell, like like capable. Guys yeah, they spent years. Up. They spent years drafting and grooming a team of young. Like they they drafted and groomed a young farm team, basically. Yeah. And so when Kawhi needed to sit, when they were resting Kawhi, he had this capable ensemble that was able to win games for him. And when it came time to integrate Kawhi and that young farm team, be it Pascal or Fred or Danny Green, all these guys, it was a seamless thing, you know? And frankly, in the finals, we, we could argue that those guys really held, held up Kawhi. You know, mm-hmm. like, we, mm-hmm. as we talked about on uh, the previous podcast, you know, there was a case to be made that Pascal Siakam could have been named yeah. finals MVP. Guess what? That team doesn't win a ring without Pascal right. and Fred Van Vliet, both of them. And I and, don't, I don't <laughs> see, there is no the, Pascal Siakam in, exactly. in Los Angeles. There is no Guess Fred what? The Van Lakers are not yeah. going to have Fred Van Vliet coming off the bench. Because they traded all those guys away. They just sent yeah. all of those guys to New Orleans. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and they uh, can't draft them. No, no. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, like maybe they can they can sign Danny Green a free agency. Um, like at I this mean, their point. their avenue for improving at this point is free agency and trades. But it, it is not through. It but is really going to play nothing to trade. Yeah, man, it's not through yeah. player development. It's not through it's not through drafting uh, young players. So, I mean, we mentioned Alex Caruso earlier. Like, I think they would actually be really really smart to try to. To try to sign him and lock him down. Oh, they have he's to. Like, he's vital, yeah. man. He's vital. He's a really valuable piece up yeah. the bench for them. Ben, so uh, rather than talk about winners and losers for this trade, which is kind of like a hacky, uh, I don't know, thing that I don't really like, what I wanted to mm. discuss with you, ask you, are, mm-hmm. is who are we most excited for with regard to this trade? Like when, when you heard this trade went down, who were you like, Man, I am super pumped for this person or that person. I'll give you one name, Chris. Yep. And it's the same name as the number one overall selection in our all OTL team draft, um, which uh, will, uh, I guess, <laughs> uh, you know, not have come out probably at the time that, that people listen to this. Right. But a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, we may have uh, an episode already in the can. That's right. Coming up. But uh, that name would be none other than. New York Knicks center yeah. number twenty six Mitchell Robinson. Great point. Who great will point. not be traded? Yeah. this summer. I mean, that's a great point, dude. There, Mitchell Robinson. There, like he. There's like, been a lot of buzz on the internet about like who who survived this trade. You know, I think like w- there were a couple rumored teams in in in, in the uh, in the mix for Anthony Davis. The Knicks, the Celtics, right? The Celtics, obviously. The Clippers, yeah. at, at different times we heard about them. And, you know, like the flip side of this is like, who are the players that didn't get moved? Whether it's Jason mm-hmm. Tatum and Jalen Brown in Boston. For the Knicks, it was it was going to be have to, it was going to be Mitchell Robinson that got moved or Kevin Knox or some combination yeah, of all these guys, right? And so, you know, sometimes, um, you know what's that expression like the uh, so yeah sometimes the, the, the best uh, decision you make is the one you don't or whatever yeah, yeah. you know what I'm talking about <laughs> right yeah. right right yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean like listen like I'm not gonna like uh, front and be like oh I'm so happy that the Knicks didn't get Anthony Davis no, of like, course. I, obviously he's a general, great generational talent but like if they had gotten Anthony Davis that wasn't gonna make them a contender um, you know like maybe if they'd gotten him plus signed who yada yada healthy version guarantee that he he would resign in new york and but like i don't know like 
I can genuinely, sincerely say, as a Nick fan, that I am like thrilled this morning. Um, yeah, I, me too. Man. I am totally content to like watch this young crappy team, young Knicks, develop we get to be and the young continue Knicks. to be crappy probably for a long time. But yeah. it'll not be like an intensely pressure and stress filled, like obnoxious, like m- you know, media spotlight. And and honestly, like. Above all else, I'm just so, so happy that we still have Mitchell Robinson to watch in the, the blue and orange. Um, and uh, yeah, like it's it's a it's a silly thing to say, but no. like I'll, I'll take Mitch over AD any day of the week. I love it. <laughs> the other guy I thought of immediately as soon as this went down, we were texting is Lonzo Ball. I mean, yeah, dude, for oh starters, God, yes. like paired with Drew Holiday, they are going to make one of the more competitive high-end defensive guard tandems in the league i mean give me the full court press with these guys right drew holiday is an nba all-star he's a two-time nba all defensive team member including a first team all defense in 2018 Um, obviously the big gripe about lonzo the past couple seasons has been his shooting and frankly drew holiday and his his health yeah and and his health i I pray to god he can stay on the court because man i am as you know, a big huge, fan. huge fan. Big fan. Drew Holiday is the perfect man. He is the perfect uh, uh, wingman to Lonzo Ball. He is mm-hmm, an adept, mm-hmm. all NBA level offensive shooting talent. He knocked down and, 21 points a game last year, nearly eight assists, a yeah. steal and, and half also a game. Dr- Drew is like a super capable like half court offense, uh, you know, sort of facilitator right. and, and and floor general. Where Alonzo is the the transition, flying up and down the court, yeah. outlet passes, rebound and kick and push the ball. Like like t- together, they're they're just a perfect complement. Like I'm so excited about watching that backcourt. I agree, man. And then the other person I thought of immediately was Zion. Uh, of course, dude. Just the idea that our prized young talent is going to be walking into a situation with young talent around him and he isn't in this position where he you know he's not the immediate focal point right drew frankly it's going to be drew holiday's team right he is drew holiday is going to be the young samurai leader of of that Mm -hmm. pelican squad and zion's main responsibilities from from the get-go are just going to be to rebound hustle play hard and finish lobs yeah and that's very exciting to me very exciting yeah, it's it's gonna be outstanding. I I like the, the immediately as soon as the trade went down, you you texted us on the on the uh, on the thread like so we're all Pelicans fans now, right? Oh yeah, man. Yes. <laughs> like yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And um and yeah, like to all the Laker fans out there, um, you know, I uh, I couldn't I couldn't uh, wish you any more of the best. Uh, the best of luck with your with your new team. Um, you know, you guys are the the best. You're you are the exceptional NBA franchise, and you deserve this. You know, frankly, yes. Um, after all of the um, the the brilliant, crafty front office maneuvering that you've that you've uh, managed to do the past year, you know, after all the great management and uh, and the and the and the smart, subtle uh, trades and moves that you've that you've managed to pull off, um, the Lakers deserve this. You know, they really do. So. Really happy for them. Happy of course. for them. Happy for them. Yeah. Happy, dude. I'm happy for the Pelicans fans, um, <laughs> dude. The Anthony Davis saga w- w- was w- was a nightmare, and I couldn't imagine a more exciting return than this uh, this crop of young players that they got. Yes, obviously they lost an All NBA level talent in the prime of his career, age 26, mm. age 26. But you know, like as as the Golden State Warriors taught us, there is strength in numbers. 
Uh, <laughs> and the Pelicans, you know, the Pelicans just got an army of young, talented prospects for years and years to come. So I, it's a great time to be a Pelicans fan, great time to be mm. hopping on the uh, New Orleans bandwagon. Yeah, and we do have to pour one out um, for the rebuilding Boston Celtics. That's right. Um, oh, yeah. Really, you know, you hate to see, hate to um, see that. A, a fan base suffer like that, um, you know, after all the, the promise and, uh, and, and all the, uh, the potential that they we had. We heard for so long about Jason Tatum. Maybe he would be put in a package for AD. Maybe they wouldn't put him in, and it's finally settled. Jason Tatum will be staying put in Boston and uh, man, what that that's just it's very difficult to be a Boston Celtic fan this morning. Yeah, yeah, really hoping for the best uh, for, for all those those uh, those Beantown fans up there. Um, you know, it's been a rough go, but hey, take it from us, the, the Knicks fans. Um, you're going to get through this, guys. Uh, there are, you know, greener pastures on the other side. Um, no pun intended uh, with the Celtics. So, um, yeah, really, really just pulling for them, pulling, pulling for all of their um you know, uh, they're, they're Gordon Haywoods and they're, uh, they're, they're Al Horfords, um, to, um, to, to build around. Ben, can we pour one out for Drew Holiday? Um, Hell yeah. probably one of my favorite, most underrated players in the league. Mm-hmm. This, like I said before, this really becomes, I, in my opinion, this becomes his team now, right? He's like the veteran captain of this team. Drew yeah. Holiday is the focal point of the offense moving forward, much in the way, uh, like the, the Portland trailblazers kind of rallied and actually got better after uh, after losing LaMarcus Aldridge. I think we're about to see Drew Holiday take it to a new take it to a new level here. Go go to an even higher level and I can't wait to see what's next for this guy. Um super psyched for him. Obviously wears the samurai headband and mm-hmm, filthy mm-hmm. De- filthy defender, uh great offensive game. Couldn't be more excited for uh Drew Holiday. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's Man. move on, Ben, to some uh, big questions that remain as as we kind of process this trade going forward. So, for me, probably the biggest question that I have is, what does New Orleans do with that number four overall draft pick in the twenty nineteen draft? I mean, they could they could keep the pick, they could ship it elsewhere for. Uh, you know, a, a player that's maybe on Drew Holiday's timeline or maybe like another young player. Um, it'll be very interesting to see leading up to the draft uh, what they do here. Obviously, the consensus, the thought process was that the Lakers were going to select Vander, Vanderbilt point guard Darius Garland. But obviously, with Lonzo and Drew Holiday now in the fold, anchoring that backcourt Nola, uh, Garland at number four seems like less of a priority, less of a fit. So, um, yeah, we could see the Pelicans look to move that pick. Maybe they, they try to target like a young center to play along Zion. Um, Mm, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, one idea that I read that Sam Vicente had at the athletic was, and this is purely just an idea. It's pie in the sky. Nothing is, is, uh, it's just a, you know, this is not anything actual. It's just something, an idea he floated, but one idea, aggregate, aggregators, uh, before you, before you go, go wild with this, that what we're about to say, you know, just, just. Pump, pump the brakes a little bit, aggregators. <laughs> one idea. This is this is we're just we're just throwing ideas one around. Idea okay, this is not for, we're not breaking we're not breaking any news here. All right. One idea Sam Vicente had was uh, was moving that fourth overall pick for Laurie Markkinen 
of the Bulls, Ooh. who seem to, you know, Ooh. maybe maybe the Bulls have already have their kind of big man of the future with Wendell Carter Jr., mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they would look to add a dynamic point guard in um, in Darius Garland, and it would be mm. obviously super fun to have a center that stretches the floor, can shoot like Laurie Markkinen, paired alongside Zion Williamson. Is- is Lurie like more a four or a five think, or are they thinking like it kind of doesn't really matter exactly. with Zion's rim protection? I, I, they, I think that we're kind of doing away with traditional yeah, roles the, the position and positions. I love yeah, it. Yeah. And just, I, lo- I love his floor stretching. Just call them both um, front court players. One, one yeah. who's focused on defense and rebounding. Another guy who's our yep. kind of sharpshooter from outside. Right. Yeah, one's one one kind of holds down the interior, yep. one on the outside. It, it's also um, totally. I, I love that. Also pairing. totally possible that they keep the pick and maybe they look at guys like DeAndre Hunter, Jared Culver, Cam Reddish, Kobe mm-hmm. White. So we'll see. It, it's going to be a very interesting few days here leading up to the draft to see what New Orleans does with that number four overall pick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then on the other side of Man. the ledger, Ben, um, you know, with the Lakers, uh, I think the big question remaining is, and you sort of hinted at this before with our discussion about the salary cap is, so what's next for Los Angeles? You know, like who's the who's the big name that they go out and try to add? What are their priorities? What, what in your opinion, what are their needs? What do they what do they try to focus on? Adding? I mean, they they need every they need everything. They have five players on their team. Uh, you know, <laughs> one of whom is Kyle Kuzma, who doesn't play defense right. and who's a 30% free, uh, three-point shooter um, uh, as of last season. Um, and the other two are named Isaac Bonga and Mo My Wagner. Goodness. Um, <laughs> so they need quite a bit. Um, and they have 23 or maybe $27 million to, to do it. Um, I mean... Yeah, at this point, like the, I think they really need to focus on on the outside I think shooting. They need Obviously, shooting. that was yeah, they need shooting yeah. and playmaking. I mean, I I think the obvious uh, thought process has been point guard, right? Like prioritizing someone of the ilk of you know Kyrie Irving or Kemba Walker. I don't know if those guys financially who they now cannot afford. Yeah, I don't know nope. financially that's gonna be even be plausible, but. Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean they're gonna need. They're I mean, gonna need... Rick, Ricky Ricky Rubio is sure. is unrestricted. Sure. Um, you know, not a, not a great outside shooter, but certainly a, a good That's facilitator. A name, certainly. Um, yeah, man. I mean, they're they're gonna need someone to initiate the offense. If I were if I were Rob Palenka, I would look at it like this. You know, you can probably find veteran bodies to come in and bang and get boards. And if you're gonna have to spend your money on a skill. I would look to spend that money on shooting and passing as mm-hmm. opposed to, yeah. you know, like the Lakers were able to grab Tyson Chandler off the, off the waiver wire last year, right? Like mm-hmm. they're, they're going to find, they're going to be able to find veteran role players to come in and bang and grab boards and play 10, 15 minutes a night behind Anthony Davis, behind LeBron James, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. it's the Michael Beasley's of the world or the Lance Stevenson's of the world, those players are going to be available. I think what their priority should be in terms of allocating money and resources is finding someone to create and initiate an offense from the point guard position. Right. And, and there really just aren't that many names outside of like the really big ones. Um, you know, like I just mentioned, uh, I mean, you know, you, they could always re-sign uh, Rajon Rondo. How do you feel about that, Chris? Gosh, I mean, <laughs> you know, I you know, I believe in Rajon. I will, I will. Always... Uh, can I interest you in a um, in a uh, injury plague, Derek Rose, perhaps? Um, yeah, man, that's a name. I mean, that that's that's someone that's probably going to be in the mix for them. 
Yeah. yeah. Terry Rozier is, is actually, I feel like he wants out of, of Boston. Yep. I can see that happen. I believe, isn't he a free um, agent? He is. Terry, Terry's unrestricted. Or no, he might be, I think he's, he's a restricted free agent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, of course, like whenever we get to this, to this point, I, I, I say, well, if there isn't anyone on the free agent market, maybe you can explore a trade, right? Like a player that's currently under contract. What, what could you trade for that player? But the problem right. with that Nothing. is, unfortunately, the Lakers have no one available to trade, not even draft picks. Yeah. So no, even, I nothing. don't even know how they would... Kyle Kuzma is literally their only tradable asset How do you go out right and now? acquire Mike Conley? I don't even... Mm, you can't. I don't even know how. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's not happening. Um, yeah, we're looking, we're like, talk, you know, we're looking at like, I don't know, Darren Collison. Uh, wow. Uh, let's see. Uh I mean the Rubio name, man. The, that 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 one stuck with me, Ricky Rubio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rubio doesn't offer any shooting, but he can at least uh, they, you know set hey, up man, some offense. They're gonna take what they can get at this point. Yeah, incredible. Um, they really are. It's gonna be, oh, man. I can't. I can't wait. I really want JJ there. That would that would be my oh, ideal. That's my scenario. ideal way for them to spend their last remaining, however much money they have, yeah. to sign JJ. <laughs> Uh, ben, it is going to be a fascinating few weeks as the Lakers and the rest aye, of these aye, NBA aye. teams fill out their rosters. Jesus um, Christ! I am gonna I'm gonna cut us off here and try to edit this pod as quickly as possible, and then hop on a plane. And I will see you shortly in Mexico. That's Thank right. you very much for uh, hopping on here for an emergency pod, man. This is. As always, a lot of fun, and uh, I will see you down south of the border, my man. Yeah, we've got we've got a lot more work to do here, Chris. Let's uh, you know a, a quick a quick recharge south of the border, and then it's uh, back to work. Back back to the yep, back to the <laughs> All books, right, man. I'll see you in the off season. All right, Take dog. Bye. Talk to you soon. All right, that was the conversation with Ben. Hope you enjoyed it. My name's Chris Wendelkin. This is On The Line. You can tweet at me at OnTheLine underscore pod. Find me on Instagram. Check out previous episodes on our website, OnTheLinePodcast.com. If you haven't already, please rate, review, subscribe to the show in Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Have a great week. Let's see if anyone else gets traded, and I'll talk to you guys in a little bit.